This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, we're kind of changing gears uh, this morning. I want to talk to you about being on the edge, on the edge of greatness. That's what I want to talk to you about. And um, I'd really like to start with the book of Daniel, chapter 11, verse 32. And it says here, the people, oh, I did welcome you, didn't I? And did I welcome you guys up? I'm sitting up there in the balcony. You guys who are watching this online, yeah, I just didn't want to forget nobody. When I'm talking about people, but the people that do know their God, not just know about him. There's a difference, is it? It is. Uh, does anybody personally know George Washington? You know anything about him? Yeah. And there is a big difference between the two. And he says here, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. I mean, noble, heroic acts and deeds, the people who know their God. And we're talking about being on the edge of greatness. It's very important, some of the things we're going to talk about today that you can access, you can relate to, make it relevant in your own life, and it will change your life. He says again, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Hmm. We all, I believe, long to do great things. Don't you think so? To, to raise your level of faith is what I'm talking about here when you can do great things that way. Uh, are you familiar with the, the scripture where it talks about you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, and if you don't doubt in your heart, you know, things that you say will come to pass? Has anybody spoke to a mountain recently? Has anybody told a mountain of problems or troubles or, or sickness or, or financial problems? Has anybody spoke to a mountain recently? Three and a half people. Okay. Well, the rest of you, you got great opportunity. Whatever it is that comes against you, as we learn from Jesus, you can speak to that thing and command it to be gone. You genuinely can. So we all long to do great things. We long to experience victory after victory and mighty demonstrations of God's power. There's times when our human power just don't quite get it. And we long for demonstrations of God's power to, to be courageous warriors. I believe that's that's something that God has inbred into us to be a courageous warrior of the truth. And I'm talking about slaying the, the enemies of doubt, the enemies called doubt and the enemies called fear that really wreak havoc in our life, you know. Well, good question here I would like to ask is if I was to offer you an apple pie or an apple, you know, and, and I don't have either one in my bag, just so you know, all right? But if I was to offer you an apple pie 
or an apple, which would you choose? The apple pie. Okay. Anybody choose an apple? Okay. A couple of you chose the apple. Well, to be honest with you, faith. Now, apple pie this time in the morning has a great appeal to me, too. Oh, man. Especially got a little cinnamon on it. Maybe a scoop, no, three scoops of vanilla ice cream on top of it. You know, that has a great appeal. But faith chooses the apple. You have a clue why? Because you can plant the seeds. The apple pie will eat it, will enjoy it, but then it's done for. But an apple, you can plant, I don't know how many seeds is in an apple. I should have counted them, you know, probably eight or, or, or maybe more, you know. But you can plant, you know, an apple seed and you can get an apple tree that produces hundreds of apples that can make all the apple pies you want. <laughs> so that was my perspective. I wanted just to chew over that. But see, we're usually a little bit too impatient to plant seeds. Have you ever thought about, oh, boy, I wish I had a great big old such and such a tree in my yard? And you, th you thought that many, many, many times, but you never did anything about it? Because, you know, it's going to take, 10, 15 years before it benefits anybody. And so we're a little bit impatient, you know, and impatient, being impatient often inspires poor choices on our part, you know. Um, We're going to designate this side of the pulpit today as greatness, okay? And what we're talking about today is on the edge. You understand the edge? You know, it's just like being on the, whoo, on the edge. On the edge of something. Can you imagine a kid who comes to the swimming pool and he's on the edge of the pool, what does he really want to do? Dive in, probably. At least me, I'm still a kid. That's what I want. I want to dive in the pool, you know. But I believe that many, many, many of us are on the edge of greatness. Let me see here. This right here, at least for the sake of the today, this is the edge of greatness. And when you're on the edge of greatness, you do have the, the potential to step over into greatness. And it will impact your life in dynamic kinds of ways. But I'm telling you, if we are right now in our lifetime, you know, we're on the edge of greatness but what are we going to do with that greatness? Listen to what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
verse 8. It says, we are pressed on every side by troubles. Can you identify with that? That was pretty quick, you know. And I think we all can. We've, we've had situations where we were pressed from every direction, you know, with, with trouble. And he says we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed and broken. We are pressed on every side with troubles, but if we've stepped over into greatness, okay, here we're, we're pressed, but we're, we're not crushed or broken. It makes a difference where you, you stand positionally and you can step over into God's greatness and you do understand that God's great, right? I mean, we teach children that when we first teach them how to ask the blessing of their food. God is great. <laughs> have, you, have you ever said that little prayer? God is great. God is good. Let's thank him for our apple pie, you know. Uh, boy, I should have brought one of those uh, just for illustration, and that would have been a good reason to eat something this morning. But God is great, and God is good, and we thank him for all the things he has done. And one of the, the great, most familiar songs for the adults is, How great thou art, how great thou art. So when I'm talking about we're on the edge of greatness, we have the potential to step in, to, to cross on over, to dive in if we want to, but we're not forced to, but we can if we want to. And here, the apostle says, we're pressed on every side with troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed. You understand what perplexed is? We just don't know what to do. It's kind of hard to decide. Do I go left or right or this way or that? Well, what's going on? We are perplexed. <laughs> but once you've stepped over into greatness, but we don't give up and quit. We don't because God is great. How great thou art. That's what I'm talking about. And every one of us has the ability to cross over into greatness if we make that kind of a choice. So it says we're perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We're hunted down. But you know, when you've stepped over into greatness, God, he never abandons you. He's more of a reality in your life than that breath that you're taking in, than that drink of water. He's, he's more real, and, and it becomes a reality. To some people... God is more of a religion. He's a, he's a concept, you know. He's a theory, you know, uh, and all. But to some, you know, he is real. He's my closest friend. There's a difference between the two. So we're talking about being on the edge of greatness today. It says here in uh, verse 9, we're hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down. But you know what? When you stepped over into greatness... You just get up and you just keep on going. You know, what was that little bunny rabbit that used to have an advertisement about? The Energizer. He just kept on going and going and going. Well, I'm going to tell you, when you're living in the greatness of God, you've got a lot more stamina and a lot more going, going power than the Energizer bunny did. 
Now, when he was seven years old, his family was forced out of their home on a legal technicality, and he had to work to help support them. At age nine, his mother died. At age 22, he lost his job as a store clerk. He wanted to go to law school, but his education wasn't good enough. At 23, he went into debt because uh, to become a partner in a small store. And at 26, his business partner died, leaving him a huge debt that took years to repay. At 28, after courting a girl for four years, he asked her to marry him, and she said no. At 37, on his third try, he was elected to Congress, but two years later, he failed to be reelected. At 41, his four-year-old son died. At 45, he ran for the Senate and lost. At 47, he failed as the vice presidential candidate. At 49, he ran for the Senate again and lost. At 51, he was elected president of the United States. His name was Abraham Lincoln. In my opinion, he was one. Historically, as you look back, he was one of our, our greatest presidents. You know, the Emancipation Proclamation, he cared about people genuinely. And... Uh, I believe he'd crossed over into some greatness by the choices that he had made and some statements I have read about him. Now, did you know that God is not real, real fond of grumbling and complaining? One of you knows that. Okay, well, today, all of you learn, learn that. Because in the Old Testament, when the nation of Israel, they, they came out of... Uh, Egypt as slaves, and they were fraught going toward the promised land, and a bunch of them started complaining and grumbling and moaning and groaning and all, and snakes came out from underneath every rock, and people were getting bit left and right, and they were dying, you know. And it was not a very good thing at all. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, this is what it's referring to. But there are many, many, many other things in the Old Testament. But it says here, it says, all these events, and it was talking about people complaining and the consequences. How many of you guys here really enjoy a, a good complaint from somebody? How many of you like your, your kids or your spouse complaining about everything? I'm going to tell you something. God don't like it either. <laughs> he sure don't like complaining from his kids. It says, all these events happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the time when this age is drawing to a close. And we can stand on the very edge of greatness and we can fuss and moan and groan and complain about all the stuff we're in or we can just cross over into God's greatness and we can praise him. And we can rejoice at all the wonderful things he's done and that we know he's working it all together for good. We can cross over. That's a choice that you and I have or we can just stand on the edge of greatness and complain. But it does not bring about great blessings. Complaining does not. In the book of Numbers, chapter 13, verse 1, it says, The Lord now said to Moses, 
the Lord now said to Moses, send me men, send men, and he was talking about 12 men, to explore, means to spy out the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to Israel. It, it was a great land. It was a promise, a promised land from Almighty God. He said, send these 12, send these men to explore, to spy out the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to Israel. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord God, as he commanded. And he sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders. So these 12 men were, were leaders, you know. They were tribal leaders of Israel from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. Now let's pop down to verse 23. And you have my blessing to read the whole chapter when you get home. But he says here in verse 23, when they came to what is now known as the Valley of Escol, they cut down a cluster of grapes. Now, how many of you like grapes? I could go for a great big old cluster of grapes right now. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? You should have brought me some grapes, dear. And I could just eat grapes throughout the whole, that would have been wonderful. But I don't think I could have ate the cluster that they were dealing with. I wish I had a bunch of grapes to, to bring out. But this is a, a nice rod. You know, it looks kind of all uh, moldy and, or, or, or tarnished and things like that. It looks kind of dirty and all. But it's oak. It's solid oak. And uh, it's, it's a, a good pole to do what we're going to read about right here. And it says... When they came to what is known as the Valley of Eskol, they cut down a cluster, a cluster, not two clusters, not three clusters, but they cut down a cluster, one cluster of grapes, so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole. And you know how they, they do that. You know, one guy gets over there on his shoulder, one guy gets over here. There's a couple, probably two or three guys it took to lift up one cluster of grapes and tie it to the pole. Now, could you go for a cluster of grapes like that? I could go for that right now. I wouldn't mind helping carry it because I could just be grabbing one. They're probably, the grapes was probably about the size of an apple, I suppose. I'm not sure. They might have been small. But it says it took two men with a pole to carry one cluster of grapes. It tells you something about the land, though. So he says, and they cut down a cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on the pole between them. It was a great land that God had promised them, you know. They also took samples of the pomegranates. Does anybody here like pomegranates? Pomegranates and figs. Anybody like figs? Oh, I, I enjoy figs, you know. I, I like everything. That's my problem, you know. Well, God's people were on the edge. Only 12 of them went in to spy out the land to check. But if all the others were on the edge of this great land, oh, and it was great, okay. One cluster of, uh, of grapes was like massive. It took two full-grown men uh, on a stout pole to carry that one cluster. 
And all the, the fruit that they saw there was just absolutely amazing. And after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned. Verse 26, it says, they returned to Moses and Aaron and the people of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They, this is the 12 leaders who had been sent to spy out the land, see what it was like. It says, they reported to the whole community when they came back over and they reported to the whole community what they had seen and they showed them the fruit, the grapes, the pomegranates, the figs and all. They showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. Verse 27 says, this was their report. Now, this is the report that came from all 12 of them, and it was a good report. This was their report to Moses. We arrived in the land that you sent us to see, and it is indeed a magnificent. Would you consider that magnificent and greatness would kind of go together, you know? I think so, you know. Talking, be, uh, my, my, my title here is On the Edge of Greatness. I mean, this was a magnificent land, a promised land, a great land, a magnificent land that God had promised to give to his children. And he says, indeed, here's the 12th spot, indeed it is a magnificent country, a land flowing with milk and honey, and you understand that for a land to flow of milk, it means that all the livestock was given birth. You know, they were all given birth. The cows, you know, was given birth to three to triplets, you know. The squirrels were given birth. The lambs was given birth. Their camel. I mean, everything was given birth. If it says that the land is flowing with milk, the, the, there's a lot of life. It's a prosperous land. Everything is multiplying. And he says here, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And the first honey, what do you have to have to have honey? You got to have honeybees. And honeybees make their honey from all the little flowers on your vegetables and on your fruit trees, apple blossoms, and, and on all the, the vegetables and the fruit. So for bees to, to make enough honey for you to describe, hey, the land's flowing with honey. They must have tremendous vegetables and tremendous fruit. And they actually showed you one cluster of grapes, and it was pretty awesome, you know. So they, these 12 men came back and gave a great report. It is indeed a magnificent country, a, a land that flows with milk and honey, and here is some of the fruit as proof. It was just like God said it was, just like God said it was. Everything that God said you know, it was just like God said it was. You know, great blessings awaited those who step over into this great land, you know. It's what these 12 men were saying. But at this point, a difference of opinion emerged. So there's 12 of these leaders, these men who went and checked out the land, but now only 10 of them, 10 of them, said, but the people living there are powerful. You didn't tell us that there's these powerful people there. The people living there are powerful. Their cities and towns are fortified. I mean, they're like fortresses. You, 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 you couldn't win a battle against them. He says, 
They're, these people are powerful and they live in towns. The cities and the towns are fortified and very large. And also we saw, we saw the descendants of Anak. You, you know who Anak was? Well, maybe I'll tell you then, okay? The children of Anak, Anak was a giant. And and we saw the children of Anak there. And 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 Anak, his his offspring were giants. We saw the descendants of Anak who are living there, powerful, fortified. Yes, the, the fruit and the vegetables are amazing. They got more animals than you can shake a stick at and honey. It is a great land, but there's powerful people there. There are giants in this land. And you said this was our land, and we're supposed to go in and take the land, you know? And it's just like you said, but. Have you ever noticed that our butts get us into trouble sometimes? Oh, yeah, yeah but. Yeah, but verse 29 says the Amalekites live in the Negev and, and the Hittites and Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live along the, the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. And that was what the 10 men, you know, who was kind of moaning and groaning and complaining a little bit was saying. And, but one of the, there was 12 of them who went in. So one of the two who was not part of this 10, one of them, his name was Caleb. But Caleb tried to encourage the people as they stood before Moses. Let us go at once and take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. Now, what made him think he could certainly conquer it? God told him. You're exactly right. God had already told him, moved upon, said you can take it. Everything is just like God said. But why do you think God didn't tell them all, oh, there's giants there? Because he knew how frail their hearts were. And there is a tendency. Is it the same tendency we have today to look at the negative? Do we tend to look at the negative? I think we, we really do, you know. But Caleb, he said, let's go at once. Don't wait because if you just stare at this, if you just listen to all this negative stuff long enough, you're going to think the same way. So he said, let's go up at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. We're on the edge of greatness. And I believe many of you here, many of you who are watching, who are joining us, who's listening to God's word here, you're on the edge of greatness. And you have the choice to cross over into God's greatness and you believe him and you trust him and, and access all of his promises. Or if you can stay over here on this side and the enemy of our soul is not going to give us the whole truth. Oh, yeah, it's, it's really kind of nice, but you can't do it. Well, I thought the Bible said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is that true or not? Oh, is it not true? How many of you think it's true? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what my Bible says. Absolutely, you know. But those 10 men came back, and, and the Bible, if you look at other translations, says they came back with an evil report. They were filled with doubt, and they were filled with fear. And God's word says that's an evil report. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of uh, fear, but 
he has given us. He said he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a, a sound mind. I mean, you know what? A sound mind is not just thinking on doubt and gloom and despair and worry and fear and panic. A sound mind is going to think on the promises that God has made to us. And yes, everything he said has been true so far, but he didn't tell us that we were going to have a little trouble in this old world. He's promised to help us over these troubles. He has, and when we read his word, we discover that he has said something about these troubles in this world. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I've overcome those things, is what he tells us. So, these ten men who went to spy out the land, they saw it as impossible, and then they began to speak it as impossible. And although God promises you and me certain things, great promises that we can cross over into, but if we just focus on the negative, well, it looks to us like it's impossible. And we, we think about it and think about it and think about it, and then we start, you know what, uh, it's just really not possible. We start talking about it. We think about it, we see it, we think about it, we start talking about it, we convince ourselves that it's not possible, and we back away from the edge, and we don't access the greatness that God has made provision for us. Verse 31 goes on to say, but the other men, now this is when Caleb said, come on, guys, we're well able to take this land, but the other 10 men who had explored the land with him answered, we can't go up against them. We can't. It was exactly the way God said, but we can't do it. The, 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 the children, the offspring of Enoch is there, and, and they're strong, you know, and, and these fortified cities. We can't do it. It's what they're saying. I'm reading once again, but the other men, these 10, who had explored the land with them, answered, we can't go up against them, standing on the edge of greatness, but not willing to cross over. I wonder if that's where some of us are at today. Standing on the edge of greatness, and you read this great, fantastic book, and all the promises that God has given us, and all we got to do is have that faith to cross over into his greatness. We're standing on the edge of greatness right now. These guys believed half of God's report, but they didn't believe the whole thing. Do we pick and choose what part we're going to believe and what not? Are we not going to believe, you know? But it says here in uh, verse 32, it says, so they, the 10 spies again, they spread discouraging reports. And people who don't believe the promises of God will spread discouraging reports. Well, I tried that praying thing one time and it didn't work for me and it probably won't work for you either. I don't take advice from people like that. I go right to the source. And I happen to know the author. I talk to him quite often, and he actually talks back, and he emails me all the time, you know, and texts me. And I pick those things up, and, and I believe what he has to say, you know. But it says, so they, they spread discouraging reports about the land among the Israelites. The land we explored will swallow up any who go to live there. They will swallow us up. And the Bible says those 10 of the 12 that were sent, they came back with an evil report. 
All of the people we saw were huge. <laughs> Do you see huge circumstances trying to swallow you up? I'm going to tell you something. When I got my arm around Jesus and he's got his arm around me, ain't no circumstances can swallow us up. You know what I'm talking about? Ain't no circumstances can. And we need to choose as we stand upon the edge of greatness, God's greatness, we can cross over into that. And I don't care what the devil says because my Bible tells us in John chapter 8, he says that the devil is a liar and the father of lies and everything he says is false. He can't tell the truth, you know. And I just don't believe what the devil says, you know. So we've got to make a decision, you know. Some folks want to please God as long as it don't offend the devil. You know what I'm talking about? Well, we don't want to get the devil mad at us because then he might start doing stuff to us. I'm going to tell you something. He's already doing as much to you as he can. He don't like it. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He comes to kill and steal and destroy your dreams, your visions, your hopes. He, he does everything he can to our finances, our relationships, our bodies. He's already doing as much as he can do. Already. So we might as well, instead of being over here on this side where he is attacking us left and right, we might as well cross on over into God's greatness and experience the greatest blessings of all that causes you and I to be victorious and to be more, as the Bible says, more than conquerors. So, you know, we can make this decision right here. Do we press on, cross over into greatness, believing and, and serving and obeying God there? Or do we retreat? and we wander in the wilderness for 40 years. We just wander. Hmm? Y'all want to just wander in the wilderness for 40 years or Maybe you're already just kind of wandering around aimlessly right now when set before you, God has given you the choice. As we stand upon the edge of greatness, it's like, I don't want to do that no more. I want to cross over into the greatness of Almighty God. How great thou art. How great thou art. And access the greatness that God has made for you and for me, you know. Or you can just remain. I'm not going to do either one. I'm just going <laughs> to. I'm stuck. You just want to stay stuck for the rest of your life into fear and anxiety and worry and gloom and despair. Agony on me. I don't think we have to stay stuck because God don't want you to be there. We are on the edge. We're on the edge of greatness, and it's our choice to whether we cross over or not. Here's 10 spies who says, we can't do it. We can't do it. They'll just swallow us up. We, we just can't do that. Well, let me pick up here. Uh, well, here's, here's another thought. There'll be obstacles that threaten us. 
But let's just be like this guy, Caleb, when he says, let's seize the moment, guys. Let's seize the promises of Almighty God. You know, we're well able to possess them. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, and this is in the Passion Bible. It says, I know, the apostle says, I know what it means to lack. And I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. He says, I've been without, and I've had everything I've needed and more. He says, I know what it means to lack, and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance, for I am trained in the secret of overcoming all things. Have you been trained in the secret to overcoming all things? I mean overcoming even the edge and crossing on over into God's greatness. Have, have, have you been trained? He says, I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Now, what percentage would you say that word where it says every? 100%. I find that the strength of Christ is ex Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Wow. The strength of Christ infuses strength. That, that explosive, overwhelming power of Christ infuses strength so I can conquer every difficulty. Every difficulty that comes against you, I'm going to tell you what, when you just cross over, I'm going to experience the power of Christ that, that enables me, just like he has done, but enables me with his explosive power to overcome, to conquer every difficulty in my life. But that don't happen over here when you're just like stuck or when you're wandering through the wilderness you don't know where you're going. You're just kind of going around in circles. You don't know what in the world is going on. But it's a choice that you and I have to make. That's just the way it is. The, there was 10 who were very negative, and they began to imagine that things were actually worse than they were. And, and your Bible tells you, in the King James Bible, it says, as a man thinketh in his heart. So is he. And you think, we can't do it. We just can't do it. And, and you can't. When you go, I can, I can cross over there and I can access the greatness of God. And, and yes, you can. And the enemy of our soul is always bombarding against our mind. Why do you think when God has given us armor? Read it in Ephesians chapter 6, verse uh, 10. And it talks about the armor of God. He says, I give you a helmet of salvation, and it protects our, our brain, and it helps us to get rid of that stinking thinking that goes, yeah, but, yeah, but. Sounds like a billy goat, don't it? Yeah, but, yeah, but. You know, and he's given us the armor or the breastplate of righteousness to cover all of our vital organs and all. You know, he's, he's given us a shield of faith that protects us and covers us and our friends and our family and he's given us a sort of the spirit that you can not only defend yourself, but he says, I said, get back, you know. He's given us the armor of God. That's what the Bible tells us, you know. And then he makes available to us 
and, and we, we, we can be trained in this just as he was. Uh, and so you and I can conquer every difficulty with this explosive power that comes from Christ. He, there's an infusion of strength that comes in us if, if we choose to go that way, you know. Uh, giants appear very small to a soul who really contemplates the greatness of God. Giants? So, where are the giants at? Didn't David kind of do something like that? He was a lad, there was a whole army. All of his brothers were part of the army at the time, and uh, he went down there to take the captain of the guards there some foods from dad and his little uh, um, wagon thing, and he went down there, and this is Goliath was out there cussing and blaspheming the name of God. David's getting like, did y'all hear what he said? Somebody ought to do something about that, you know? And they were all hiding in the rocks. And they'd already go, yeah, he's too big for us to fight, you know? And David's going, don't you know, guys, he's too big to miss. You know, he's too big to fight. I'm telling you, he's too big to miss. Let me at him. I'm talking about a lad. I'm not talking about a full-grown man, a warrior. That was, that was David I'm talking about. You know, he had contemplated the greatness of God and he says, somebody ought to do something about that. You know, this guy who was blaspheming the name of God, challenging, hey, y'all, send one man to fight me and, and we'll just de declare whoever wins, wins the whole thing. That's what he said, you know. Giants often threaten us. What kind of giants threaten you to stay away from the edge of Greatness. What kind of giants come against you? Lion giants coming against you, trying to discourage you. Fear, worry, anxiety, hopelessness, procrastination, you know. Giants that come against you and me to keep us from crossing over and learning the secrets of God's explosive power that's available to us. Often we say, I want to do God's will. I, I, want, I want to do God's will, but not right now. Let me go wander a while. No, let's, let's do it now. You know what happens when you... Has anybody ever procrastinated? Well, don't answer that. I'll, I'll ask you that same question a couple more weeks from now. What happens when you procrastinate? You often just forget it altogether. That's kind of what happens when you procrastinate. Um, Susanna Wesley once made a statement that I think is pretty profound. She said, God's promises are guaranteed, but not dated. You ever pray about something? Well, it didn't happen today. Does that mean it ain't going to happen? No. How many times does a, a child go, where's my Christmas present? Where's my birthday present? It's not Christmas yet. It's not your birthday, but I want it now. Well, you're just going to have to be patient, you know. God's promises are guaranteed. They're, they've just not been dated. God knows the best date to bring about his promises and, and his gifts to you. He knows that kinds of stuff. He really does, you know. Um, let me see here. Where was I at? Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, 
the apostle says, I am focusing all, now what percentage would all be? I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, on this one thing. All my energy, 100% of my energy goes to this one thing. I'm forgetting the past. And I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward. I'm looking Godward to what lies ahead in the, the land of the greatness of God. I'm looking forward to what lies ahead, and I strain to reach the end of the race. And I'm just going cross right over into greatness because this is the path that God wants me to take. He wants to, me to experience his greatness. Just like he had promised this wonderful great land to three million people who had been slaves, and he's taken them into a promised land, start a new life, but they got to the edge of this greatness and they were fearful and they were frightened and they, they wandered in a wilderness for 40 years when it only would have, should have taken them a couple of weeks to get there. But they wandered for 40 years and to all those who wouldn't go in died. To all those of that mentality died off and then others were willing to go on in and do what God was showing them to do. You think about this. It's kind of amazing when you think about it. So I'm focusing all my energies on this one. I'm forgetting the past. Forgetting the past, you know? And I'm looking forward. I'm looking Godward. Whatever you say, wherever you point, that's the way I'm going, God. I'm gonna, I want to go forward. I want to keep moving forward. But I, one thing I will do, I'm going to forget the past. The good and the bad and the ugly that would try to influence my future, I'm just going to follow you wherever you choose to lead me. That's what I'm going to do. And I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us up to heaven. God's desire for every believer is greatness. God's plan for you is good and, and not evil to give you hope and to give you a future, you know. Greatness is decided at the intersection. Here's an intersection called opportunity and choice. So what you going to do when you get to that intersection? I'm at this intersection right here, and I can make whatever choice I want to. No, that's too dangerous over there. But God said, go that way. I know what he said, but it's just too dangerous. People over there will swallow us up. That's what they were saying. Anyhow. <laughs> Did we look at Numbers 13, verse 33? Let's look at that real quick. It's a good passage. It says, we even saw giants there, the descendants of who? Anath. And we felt like... Have you ever felt like a grasshopper? You ever look in your, your mirror and you see a little antenna and these big old buggy eyes there? You felt like a grass. He said, We felt like grasshoppers next to them, and that's what we look like to them. And you know what? That's that's what happens. When you start feeling defeated, that's the way you look to the devil. You, you, you look defeated. And he will push you around with all kinds of lies. And they said that they felt like grasshoppers. You know what you can do with the grasshopper? Now, you gotta wait till summertime because you can't find them right now. But you got to pull their big legs off because them little sharp, little spiky things get caught in your throat. 
you know, if, but you put them in a frying pan with a little margarine and all, and you toast them rascals up, oh, man, they are so good. But you don't eat grasshoppers raw because they got little parasites in them, you know. Am I kind of like bugging you guys out here a little bit? Well, we'll talk about that topic for another time. Um, but don't look at yourself as a grasshopper. And that's what the people in that land, those giants, looked at them as grasshoppers because that's the way they saw themselves. Um, so don't stare very long at discouraging, you know, circumstances because it'll get in you. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says, For our present troubles... Does anybody have any present troubles right now in your life? Small ones, big ones, whatever. For our present troubles are, are quite small. And, and, and they won't last very long. Now I'm going to tell you something to help you grasp when it says they won't last very long. Uh, once upon a time here at Faith Living Church, and we've always had a little sunrise service on Easter, you know. And this is before we found slopers. We'd go to different golf courses. And one sunrise service we had, it was about halfway through, at least two weeks into April. And we had two inches of snow. We stood in two inches of snow on, at a sunrise service, okay? And I can tell you, 100%, when you get a couple of inches of snow the second week of April, it ain't going to last long. You agree with that? If you get a foot of snow in the middle of April... It ain't going to last long. Most of the winter is gone. We're already touching the edge of spring. Well, you understand, yeah, we don't care about snow once springtime comes because it can't last long. Well, that's what this passage here is saying. For our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles. We don't stare at the troubles and the discouraging circumstances so we don't look at the troubles we can see right now because we're on the edge of greatness and we're looking at the greatness of God. We're looking at what he's promised us. That's what we're looking at. Well, we're looking at everything that God has said in his word and what he has promised us as men and women of God, men and women of faith who believe and who trust in him. He says here, Verse 18, so we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen with our natural eye. But we, it's his promises. We have seen them, though, with the eye of faith. We can see what God has promised us. Can you get a little imagination, a little glimpse of, of the streets of gold in heaven? Can you kind of imagine that? That's, when you know that's where you're going, it becomes a little easier to visualize that. When you've got faith that I got my ticket already paid for. I didn't pay for it. Jesus paid for it, you know. And he says, we look forward to that which we have not yet seen. It's based on the promises of God. For the troubles we see will soon be over. That's what I'm talking about. But the joys to come will last forever. You know, God's people, they, they came to the edge of, of greatness, and they had to make a choice. They'd seen God's greatness in down there in Egypt, you know. They saw all the plagues that had come upon the hard-hearted 
Pharaoh, you know, and, and they had seen the, the deliverance that God had given them through Moses, that God had delivered them from this self-proclaimed God who, whose name was Pharaoh. And they had seen this miraculous thing when the Red Sea opened up and they crossed over on dry ground. They had stepped over into greatness. Nobody had ever walked through the Red Sea before. And as they're going, it's just like, wow. Oh, look at that fish. I think I'll grab him for lunch a little bit later on maybe, you know. And then when the whole Egyptian army came into the, uh, the Red Sea that had opened up, and as, as soon as the last Israelites stepped on the, the, the soil where the sea wasn't at no more, then the sea closed over and all the Egyptian army who was coming after them to destroy them or put them back in slavery, whew, you didn't see that army no more. They were gone because they had stepped into greatness. They had crossed over and they chose to believe God. And it is a choice, you know, or we can stop believing. Let's see. Okay. I thought if I'd go faster, I'd get through more of this, but I can't get through it all. And I want to, so maybe we'll talk about that stuff later. I'll, I'll end with this. An American soldier in the Vietnam War, he was about to step on an anti-personnel landmine that was hidden from his sight. His comrade across this battlefield with a pair of binoculars and all uh, could see the impending disaster. He could see it, and his, his buddy was getting ready to step on it, you know? And he stood up from behind his protective protective barricade and he shouted a life-saving word warning his friend stop get down back up landmine and at that moment the brave young man who had given the warning received a gunshot wound that ended his life a couple years later at an honorary memorial service in the United States a soldier whose life had been saved from the landmine, had a chance to meet the wife and the son of his deceased friend. The son, who was only seven years old, had never forgotten a chance to really know his father. And the soldier could tell that this boy's heart was broken. So he knelt down next to him and he put his hand on the child's shoulder. I want you to know, the soldier said, your father saved my life. The little boy looked up at him with tears streaming down his cheeks. Sir, he said, were you worth it? Were you worth my daddy giving his life to save yours? Wow. Were you worth it? Leonard Ravenhill, very godly man and author, he made this statement one day. He said, is, is what you're living for worth Christ dying for it? What you're doing with your life right now, is it worth what Christ did and he died for you so you could do what you're doing right now? I'm telling you, you can live over here stuck. And you can wander or standing on the 
edge of greatness by following the example of Christ. And he says, follow me. Are you willing to cross over into greatness, into forgiveness, into pardon, into accessing the promises of Almighty God to believing like Joshua and Caleb believed what God had said. The other ten spies didn't believe it. They only believed half of God's report. They didn't believe it all. Do you pick and choose what parts you're going to believe? Or you say, I, I just believe the whole thing. I just believe it all. And I want to cross over into God's greatness. And I want to access the promises that Christ gave his life so I could walk in the reality of his promises right now. That's a choice that you have to make. And not to make a choice is to make a choice. Well, our time is up right now. But I'd like to, to pray for you, you know, just as we reaffirm our faith in Christ. And let us visualize yourself crossing over into his greatness. You're on the edge of it. The choice is, is yours. Will you cross over into his greatness and forget all the stuff that's behind us? all the stuff that would try to discourage you and pull you back, and all the lies the devil's been telling you all your life, let's just leave all that stuff behind and let's reach forward and, 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 and move forward, move Godward. So would you bow your heads with me right now? And Susan, would you come up and join me for a moment? But as we pray, I would like us to reaffirm our faith in Christ. And maybe you're here or you're watching us here this morning, this day, and you've never declared your faith in Christ, but you can declare your faith in Christ. That's a very similar prayer that, like I prayed when I was a teenager. So would you join me? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. And I do believe that the best is yet to come. And I do believe that the best is yet to come. I believe you sent your son Jesus. I believe you sent your son Jesus. To die in my place. To die in my place. To give me hope. To give me hope. To give me a future. To give me a future. To wash my sins away. To wash my sins away. I believe that Jesus rose on the third day. I believe that Jesus rose on the third day. And that he is knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus. And I welcome Jesus. Into my life. Into my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my King. And as my King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. But I reach out right now. But I reach out right and now. And I receive your pardon. And I receive your pardon. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness. And I receive your promises. And I receive your promises. And your greatness. And your greatness. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.